Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. There are turning points throughout our lives where we have a choice to either accept the status quo and continue being comfortable or take a stand to affect real change. Whether it's change on an individual level or even on a much larger scale, to take a stand requires courage and something called brave honesty, to borrow a term from today's guest. And most importantly, real change requires stepping into the discomfort zone and attempting things you never previously believed you were capable of. Sounds simple enough, right? But how can you actually take that terrifying step? And what if you fail? Well, my guest today is Alex Weber, an international speaker, an American ninja warrior, an award-winning entertainer, and author of the brand new book, Fail Proof, Become the Unstoppable You. Alex travels the country teaching top professionals and leaders how to bring their very best every day to the most high-stakes situations that can often make or break their success. In our conversation, Alex and I go deep into the honest history of both of our many collective failures, analyzing and extracting the important lessons that have come from them and highlighting how important they have been to our successes. We discuss the importance of community and how essential it is to find people who support your highest goals as well as your most basic needs. Because to be frank, when you have a strong support structure around you, your chances of success increase exponentially. I really hope that this conversation inspires you to step outside your own discomfort zone and pursue goals that you thought were previously unachievable now that you will be fail-proof. All right, without further ado, my conversation with international speaker, author, and American ninja warrior, Alex Weber. That is the thesis of, of all this, is that you can be someone you weren't sure you could be, you can do things you didn't think you could do, and that it begins with brave honesty, and it ends with being open to the gifts. Well, on that note, I don't think I could introduce it any better than that. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here today with Mr. Alex Weber. So Alex is an international speaker, an American ninja warrior, an award-winning entertainer and author 
of the upcoming book, Fail Proof. And boy, are we going to geek out on being gigantic failures today, my friend. <laughs> People have no idea how big of a failure you are and how big of a failure I am. And that's all we're going to talk uh -huh. about is we are giant failures talking about failure in life. Are we not? Oh, gosh. Huge failure. So people are thinking, well, well, that's crazy because like I follow one or both of you on Instagram and I see all the things that you're doing with American Ninja Warrior and you're writing a book and I'm working on a big TV show and we're both training with Tony Horton. Like we're huge successes, but we're going to talk about how failure, at least for me and I think for you too, based on having uh, read through your book, I consider failure my secret weapon. I love that. Would you agree? Yes, 100%. And I, 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 you know, I think we're so quick to these words are um, all these words are so dense, right? And and the, we kind of each have our own understanding of what a failure is and what a success is. And because those words are so finite, and we're like hard in the definitions, I think that we close ourselves off from so many possibilities because we're so scared that it's going to be a fork in the road. And we might get success, but we might get this dangerous, mysterious, imposing thing that starts with F. Yeah. So failure, right? It's to everybody. It's an F word. It's a bad thing. And from me having spent years really digging into first my own psychology and then speaking to so many students and people that have these limiting beliefs and these fears of failure, failure is binary to most people. Either I have succeeded or I have failed. And as I know I've learned, and I'm sure you have as well through all the many things that you've tried out in life, that and I'm basically going to be quoting you, it's only failure if you give up. It's only failure if you decide to stop. Otherwise, it's just feedback. It's information. A hundred percent. And I, I, I think, uh, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. And that's so true. And, you know, both you and I both have done American Ninja Warrior. And that's really, that's really where this system came about. It started because I needed it. And it started in my first chapter with Ninja Warrior as a host when I basically had to discover this system to save my dream job. Um, and we can, you know, go into oh, that. We are going to go into that. And we're actually going to do it right now. You basically stole it right out of my mouth. I was going to say, wait, hold on a second. I've, I've seen an episode or two or all of the episodes of American Ninja Warrior. I don't remember you being a host. I know Matt and I know Akbar. I even remember Johnny from back in the day. Wow. But wait, yeah. you're telling me you're a host? Tell me more. I don't understand. So uh, I was hired. After first doing my first dream, which was playing college across D1 and that being a whole thing, it was my dream. It was my everything growing up. I was a bully kid. I had this purpose and dream. And I went there and I was supposed to go into finance. And I say supposed to. These words supposed to. Dangerous words. Those are dangerous words. I don't like the should. I have a good friend. And, and she will always say, you should go on that hike. We should, and, I, and I say, I don't, I shouldn't, I don't, shouldn't do anything. I can if I want to, or I cannot if I don't. And it's important that we identify because because words can they can lead us astray if we don't if we don't nip them in the butt. So I was supposed to I should go into finance even though it was not right for me. And I knew that I wanted to do something in entertainment, and I also wanted to do something in positively inspiring people. And I didn't know how the heck that was going to work, but I knew that it was in me that I wanted to do that. And so I moved to LA. Not sure if that's a cliche. We'll have to look back at that. Uh, but always I a cliche. Always. I belong <laughs> to that cliche myself. Well, we can unpack that one too. But, you know, something that I say in the book is the deep end effect. And what that means is 
in anything that we want to do, if we can hop in the heartbeat of it, even if it's overwhelming or embarrassing or imposing, there's going to be so many riches in it because we're going to learn so fast. So for me, you know, I was talking to people and everyone I talked to for advice, I was in New York, which, you know, is not a terrible place to do entertainment by any means. But uh, everyone I talked to was like, oh, well, eventually you move to LA, eventually you move to LA. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this dang thing, what does this eventually talk? Let's just hop in the deep end and get it going. And one of the gifts in doing that was that I actually got to coach high school lacrosse. And uh, I won US lacrosse coach of the year, which was a crazy meaningful thing to me. But I felt like I wanted to do something in entertainment because that's really what I set out here to do. And once really committing to it, it was only a year later that I got hired to host for NBC. So to Zach, what you were saying, it was a digital series for NBC American Ninja Warrior, where I would be this, you know, goofy, fun guy who would crash the course. I would talk about the crazy obstacles. I'd interview the athletes. I'd give behind the scenes looks at these obstacles. And then they thought it'd be fun if I tried the obstacles. And the idea was that it would be entertainment, right? I would try these impossible obstacles and I'd fail. So I crushed it at failing. Failed my face off for that first year. And that was what my job was. So I was nailing it. But what's really critical is at the end of the first year, my bosses then thought, you know, entertainment's evolving, right? We all have these ideas and they thought it could be a cool idea if I became good at this. And that changed everything because now this dream job for me, which it was, you know, I grew up watching Friends and Seinfeld and, uh, you know, this was a dream job for me. So to now have it be hanging in the balance of me becoming good at these impossible things that the only thing I'd ever done and almost fail was was daunting to say the least. Well, it's amazing how just a little shift in perspective and expectations changes everything. Because your job was the same, your commute was the same, you went to the same place, you were in front of the same sets, you had the same number of lights and cameras, hours per day, but all of a sudden there's a different expectation. And that changes the whole game, which as you wrote about, goes from, oh my God, it's my dream job to, oh shit, I'm staring at the ceiling at nights wondering if I'm going to get fired because I'm a failure, right? I mean, you you, you nailed it. And, and you know, I even, because you get this so much and, and, and your audience understands this world so much. Um, and even if you don't, you know, we'll hop in. But I would be on set and the first part of it, even in that first season of American Ninja Warrior, where I would be standing on the Ninja Warrior set and these athletes who are really cool, pretty intimidating people, right? I mean, they're big and strong and doing crazy things and they're loud and they would all be gathered around. I mean, I'm in Atlanta. The first episode that we did was in Atlanta. There's the 80 athletes on one side. I'm up on the stage and all the producers and executives are on one side and all the athletes are on one side. And at this point in my career, I was still dealing with a lot of confidence issues and a lot of fear of judgment. So I'm literally on there thinking, I hope the cameraman likes me. Gosh, he hasn't said a lot of words. Gosh, I don't know about this. And oh my gosh, people are looking at me. Maybe if I talk at a low volume, I won't like, they won't hear me because I don't want, I'll feel self-conscious if they hear me. And it was the deep end because I'm literally on the set, on it. Athletes are on one side, producers are on the other side. And, you know, gotta just go for it. The thing was, is that I just, you said the hotel room and I just remember that feeling 
I, I just know what it feels like so deep in my bones of feeling inadequate and feeling fear that you're not going to be able to do the job well. And I know that there's a choice there, right? Because we're scared that, you know, we're going to put ourselves out there and that person might break our heart. We're not, they're not going to keep being in love with us. Who knows? Maybe they won't. That's life, right? That happens. We're going to go for that career opportunity and it might not work out. But the other option is us quitting on ourselves. It's us ignoring this truth. And this is, this is really, I call it dangerous lies. And, and, and we convince ourselves that we don't want it. So rather than go after that thing because it might cause us pain, we say, no, I didn't really want to go after that career opportunity. I didn't really want to ask out that person. I, I didn't really want to have that tough conversation or build this new habit. But we do. We just have convinced ourselves that it's safer to not. That kind of pain is, is a gnawing, relentless pain. And I use that word gnawing because it just kind of like eats at us and, and, it, and it really eats at us in the quiet moments at night. Yeah. So Ninja Warrior was just a very tangible way of me experiencing all that. Very pointed, very tangible, very extreme way of dealing with the, basically the what I've learned through my own uh, process of going, becoming, you know, and I, I have a, maybe this is going to be a limiting belief that you're going to have to help me with as a coach here, but I have a very hard time calling myself an American Ninja Warrior until I have accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, Right. And I'm not there yet because, as you know, and I haven't been able to fully disclose what happened, but my first season did not go well. But what I learned through this whole process of deciding four years ago, eh, I'm going to try this. It sounds cool. And then going through all the various steps and learning the rope climbs and what's a lache, like all these fancy words and fancy moves. But basically what it did was it took a giant megaphone and amplified all the voices in my head. Yeah. Right. You know, this is so much, so much good stuff there. We're going to, we're going to unpack all these because what's really cool about doing this interview with you, Zach, and everyone listening is uh, it's very rare to speak with someone like Zach, who is both an American Ninja Warrior. I appreciate that. I, that? I, I did see yeah, that. I, I appreciate that. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're going to talk about that, but who also understands everything else that comes in this world of self-leadership and coaching and coaching ourselves and coaching others. So um, it's it's fun here to deep dive on some of these that otherwise maybe we couldn't in other interviews. And, and one that I want to talk about with you that you said, because I go through it too, is first off, what's really cool about American Ninja Warrior, and I tell everyone this, is any element that can be turned the dial to 11 out of 10 is 11 out of 10. Every little, big, every single part of it from that you only get one time, that you don't know if you're going to get invited, that you don't know what the obstacles are, that you don't even really know when you're going to run, you have a rough idea, but not really, to the lights, to the cameras, to the intensity, and all of it, 11 out of 10. But going from a host to a competitor was a big identity thing for me, because that's what we're talking about here, right? Identity and what we choose to believe about ourselves and, and why we do. And I've noticed, man, that I really wrestled with it with, because I would host and I'd go to all these events with American Ninja Warriors and they'd get introduced to the American Ninja Warriors and they would introduce me and they'd be like, yeah, here's Alex. He hosts, he's kind of a ninja. And I would always be kind of a ninja and I'd have asterisks around it. And those, uh, it pained me. And it took me till even after competing in 2019 for two years, for the year going from host to competitor, 
I had like blankets and sweatshirts with American Ninja Warrior on it and I wouldn't wear it. Um, and I would notice, I'd be like, wait, Alex, you can't just let that go. Why won't you take that blanket out of your shirt and put it back in? It's because I didn't believe that I deserved to wear it. And that's, it's not right or wrong, but I'm like, that's a dense thing. I don't pick out that flannel and put it back. I put it on. So I, I think what's incredible, and I want to ask you this question, Zach, is what would it take for you to believe in your heart that you are an American Ninja Warrior? Uh, I'm going to answer that. I'm not going to deflect it, but I want to add on to your story first, which I think might, <laughs> might help and might uh, help add on to your story. I have the cool. exact same story about the towel. So I always said, like what, what I what I always tell my students is that when you set a goal, yeah, it's going to be big and it's going to be lofty, but think of something really small and tangible that you can work for. So I had a student of mine that was very out of shape that said, I want to do a Spartan trifecta, which is a sprint, a super, and a beast all in a year. And it seemed daunting. And I said, I want you to picture holding the trifecta medal when you're done. That's it. It's all about the medal. That's the only thing you're going to focus on is the vision of I'm holding all three pieces of these three medals to make the trifecta the medal and he finished it that year we ran it together ran all three of them together for me i always said until i realized i was totally full of shit but i kept telling people i just want the towel the towel means i've succeeded and for anybody that doesn't know the towel has a lot of relevance because when you are an american ninja warrior and you fall in the water they give you a towel with a big logo on it and for years i would watch and i would say i just want the towel that would be success guess what happened i fell in the water i got the towel and i'm like I don't know if I can use it. I don't know if I should be taken like, so it's I was going against everything that I said. Cause I, and this is going to lead into the answer to your question. I believe in my heart of hearts, I'm not saying I'm right, but to really honestly answer your question, I can call myself an American Ninja warrior when I know that when I fall, it's because it's the most I was capable of. Not because of some stupid mistake or some limiting belief in my head. It was because I gave it everything and I pumped out or whatever it was. I'm like, you know what? That was it. That was my best and I gave it all, but I know that I didn't in my first year and that is what gnaws away at me. Let me ask you this. What if you make it to the fourth obstacle and you make a strategic choice and you were physically able to finish the course and probably do well in finals, but you made a strategic choice, it was wrong, you crashed in the water. Are you American Ninja Warrior? I would say probably yes, but it it sounds eerily familiar to uh, potentially maybe uh, one of the choices that you had to make this season. Yes? Uh, I mean, my error ran, so I can talk about it. That's exactly what happened with mine is I, I don't want to say goodbye to American Ninja Warrior till I've hit a buzzer and because I know that I can. And in 2019, I could have, but I would have been a little lucky, but I still could have, but I would have been lucky. 2020, 100% yes, it got postponed. Two days later, I broke my hand. Mm. I was out. That wrecked me. We can circle back. That wrecked me. Because that's a big fail. We have micro and macro fails. Not all fails are created equal. That is a fail. I, ex- I say fails are expectation versus reality. I expected to hit a buzzer on American Ninja Warrior with my mom as my guest of honor. Now I'm on the couch with a broken hand. That's a fail. 2021, with all that firepower, came back, was ready to hit a buzzer, was physically capable to hit a buzzer, was mentally capable, was on track to doing it, And I would say two reasons. One, I made a strategic choice that was incorrect. And I can rationalize that because I was thinking at the best of my abilities. You know, you said I pumped, you know, pumped out. This was the the mental version of pumping out. I made a strategic choice that was incorrect. I made others that were correct. So it's tough to beat myself up. But 
if I dig a little deeper, I remember going on that fourth one and feeling like, wow, I've already made finals because I was watching other competitors and not a lot of people made it to that fourth. And a lot of people went out on that fourth. So in my heart, I think if I'm being brutally honest with myself, which is not my phrase, my phrase is bravely honest. I added the brutally right there. If I am, I think part of me was excited that I made it that far and that I was actually doing well on American Ninja Warrior and that I really was an American Ninja Warrior. And so that part of me was excited and that fire as I went on that fourth obstacle, it was there, but it wasn't the same level of focus Mm -hmm. and belief that I had on the first three. I love it. So at the end of the day, somebody watching would say, oh, it looks like you put your hand on the the wrong spot on that thing and you didn't give yourself quite enough reach. And maybe if you'd shifted your weight a little bit more, you would have grabbed the other side. Like I was there. I watched it happen live. People can watch it on TV. Um, But what I love is that you knew in your heart of hearts that when you finished the third obstacle, you're like, dude, I just finished a hard balance obstacle. And your brain said, all right, the hunger to hunger is satiated. You've done what you needed to do. And though logically you hadn't, there was something emotionally that said, nope, we're good. And you think that factored into the wrong hand placement or the wrong shifting of the weight or whatever it is in some way. I think exactly that. I had mentally hit one goal. And so, and I think that's dangerous. I I think I was still wrestling with the belief of, can I hit a buzzer? And so this other goal in my head was make finals. And I had felt like I've made, and and, and I appreciate your questions because this is the best I've been able to articulate it. You're the only person that I've honestly shared this with is I think in my mind, it was like, well, you nailed one of your goals. You didn't nail your one goal yet, but you nailed your top two. That was your goal. Hit buzzer and make finals. And I, I think in my head, I thought I hit finals. And so I was like, well, it's okay if you don't hit the buzzer. Now I still, it's not like I like did something stupid on that obstacle. I was still like, honestly, should, should is a weird word. I made a strategic choice. And if I had made the other strategic choice, I would have gotten through it even with that, you know, what we're talking about, the mental component. And I think I would have been fired up and seen the wall and gotten through five, to be honest with you. But um, I didn't. And bringing it back, I do think part of it was, you know, I feel like I nailed the silver medal. So it's like, you don't have to go for the gold. And the danger in that, and something that I rest, is I didn't make finals. I missed it by like a few people. Oh, I thought you were, uh, I remembered you. I thought you were like 29 or 30. You didn't make it. I missed it by like two or three Oh, people. I didn't realize that. I thought you had made yeah. it. Even to this no, moment, I thought that. It, uh, and it hurts. It hurts. Now, you know, now I want to ask myself if I was listening, you know, and I, I would ask myself this, is that a failure? And I, the result was not what I wanted it to be. It was pretty good, but it wasn't the result that I wanted it to be. But I I do think that the failure is if I stop. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO, Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found 
bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, if I'm going to be your coach, it's only a failure if you decide I'm done and I don't want to do this anymore because X, Y, and Z, right? But if you decide I'm going to go back next year, you got some feedback. The feedback is, you know, you got to be careful about the scripts in my mind and the hand placement. And there's always things to learn. You just got some feedback that you learned from it. It was a learning experience. And and, and here's the, and here's the way life works is that who knows what the hell is going to happen. I don't know in my journey of life, if my journey is going to lead me to a place where I apply. I don't know if the journey of NBC American Ninja Warriors is going to lead to a place where they invite me back. Who knows? And, and so I need to know in my heart that when the things are out of my control, that's what it is. So not everything, I guess what I'm trying to say is I would have loved if I went from a failing host to hitting a buzzer as Failproof came out. That's super cool. Now, I'm still thrilled. With, I mean, the, the, where I went from, which was barely even being, literally, I couldn't even get onto obstacles. I remember this, I shared this in the book. That one obstacle that they wanted me to try, they were, maybe I didn't put this in the book, but they were like, all right, Alex, like it's time to get on the obstacle so that you can get far enough to fail so we get the content for the hosting. And I couldn't even grab onto it because it was too tough. to. I was like, I, I can't even get onto this to then <laughs> fail. I'm failing before I fail. Um, so going from that to succeeding on American Ninja Warrior is the craziest 180 in my life that I, Alex Weber, have experienced. So, but I do want to finish this loop because you're asking really amazing questions. And to be very real, I know in my heart, I love Ninja Warrior and I love what it pushes me to do. So you're damn right. I'm going to apply again. Who knows if they'll invite me back? That's out of my control. If they invite me back, you're damn right. I'm going to commit every fiber of my being for the months leading up and give it everything I have with the singular goal of hitting a buzzer and being a finalist, but hitting a buzzer. Yes, but let, let's break this down a little bit further. I'm gonna get very Buddhist on you. And we're gonna, t- we're, we're gonna talk about the journey versus the destination, right? So 
what I've learned from this whole process is that, yeah, I had the goal of I wanted to get on the show. Now I've gotten on the show and now I have all these all this crazy crap in my head about the way that it worked out. It wasn't the way that I wanted it to work out, trying to rewrite all that. The point being that it wasn't always about the destination. It was all the, the positive things that came out of my life because I made a choice. The choice was I'm going to go after this. And the side effects from all of the people that I've met, the friends I've created, the, the fitness, the health, like the, I'm a completely different different person on a cellular level, physically, mentally, everything is different because I made one decision. So all of that having been said, if you knew for a fact, you are not getting the call this year, do you still train? Oh, beautiful question. So, you know, one thing and we said is, is, is uh, one of the promises in the book, and I encourage people to make these five promises. And one of them is to be open to the gifts. And that's exactly, and Zach, you and I bonded over, we use similar language for, for, for things and, uh, or different language for, for similar truths. And uh, you said positive side effects. I call them gifts. Same thing. Yes. And I've made that choice. In the years past, I usually take, you know, in 2019, I wasn't, it wasn't really in my life. So I kind of took the summer off. And then the fall, I started to train a little bit. And then I really ramped up in the winter. 2020, I broke my hand. So I wasn't even really able to hop back in until the fall. This year, I had that thought of like, why are you taking an off season? You love this. You love who this makes you, this sport. Why are you going to take your foot off the gas during this? So now life is life and I'm, I'm busy and I'm not a you know, my, my life has taken me in different directions that I want to honor. So the, the level of intensity is not like in season ramping up, but it's still like today, for instance, I'm tired. I don't want to go do pull-ups, but like today is pull-up day. And I don't think of American Ninja Warriors in my life. It would just get kind of washed into that dangerous gray area of like, you've had a lot of interviews, Alex. You've had a busy day today. Just, you know, Thursday, it's fine. You'll work out the next day. But because of the purpose of American Ninja Warrior and the gift to my life, no, you're doing pull-ups, you know? <laughs> well, and since you use the P word, that's where we're going to go next. I love this idea of purpose. And I want to go back to the beginning. When I say the beginning, I'm going to identify that as let's call it middle school. Because you were discussing uh, some uh, some experiences that you were having in middle school. And again, it was like uncanny. I'm like, if I changed the names... This is the chapter that I would have written about middle school. So I'm going to let you uh, tell your story at length. But mine, like, it's a name that I'll never forget. I'll never forget the name Brian Johnson. Oh. Brian Johnson. It's a good one, right? Every day, all day, in between classes, during classes, on the way to the bus, man, I was not his hobby. I was his obsession. Whether it was, you know, tripping up my feet, walking up the stairs, hit me from behind the back of the head with a book. Like I, I remember very distinctly, this is one of the defining moments of my life, which is why I took martial arts, which is why I'm now working on Cobra Kai. It all connects. But this moment, I was standing against a wall holding uh, hands with my girlfriend. This is like sixth grade, so girlfriend in quotes, but like holding hands with my girlfriend. And he just walks up to me and punches me in the stomach and walk, walks away. One of the most embarrassing moments of my life. But that moment has really defined who I am and what I do and who who I stand up for and who I work for. And I know you have a very similar story and a deeper why that I would love to hear more about. What school was that at? Uh, well, that was in my middle school. Gilman Middle School in uh, Gilman, Wisconsin. Have you heard of it? You said Brian or Brad Johnson? Uh, Brian Johnson. Well, here's the thing. 
uh, you, me, and our listeners, we can ruin Brian Johnson from <laughs> Gilman's life. We can find him on Facebook and just wreck this guy. Well, I forgive so. him, by the way. I haven't seen him since high school. But if for some reason he listens to my podcast, which I'm sure he doesn't, but if he does, no hard feelings. Thanks, dude, for all the success I've had because of who you shaped me to be the person I am. But at the time, not so fun. And I know that you've got a few choice stories yourself, and that also shaped your direction. You know, it's funny. And, and again, Zach, and, and why I was so excited to do this with you is I feel like because of our background and because of the depth that you understand just all of this, um, there's more like nuances and little like story details that that I want to share that I, I, you know, usually would not. So I was getting bullied by this kid. Uh, the a publisher actually said I had to change. Uh, his last name and I fought for it because good for you. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, so he used to do this thing where, and I joke about it that he would give me basically like nipple twisters in the hallway. And he would do that, which was painful and it was embarrassing for no reason, just like punching in the stomach. Like if I was talking to a girl, he would do something like that. Or I remember on the bus, he would just come back and just beat me up for no reason and then go back to his seat. And this is one of those, you know, those like poignant moments, like you said, with the punch in the stomach with the girlfriend, where you think back and it almost makes your stomach want to turn. I remember just that you were, that, that we had to be in this place. And that place for me was, I learned, this is a skill that I learned. I learned that if I started making sounds of pain, when it was at like a three out of 10 pain level, that he would only go up to a seven. But if I started making pain at when he got to a seven, he would go to a 10 out of 10 pain on me. So the skill that I learned in my adolescence was how to cry out of pain so that I didn't get beat up as bad. And, and, and that's why I say that is like, I wish I could zoom back and go to that kid and be like, let's hover out of this. And maybe we change some things so you don't have to use that skill. Um, but that's not our, that's not our lives. That's not our journeys. And the gift to me and I just spoke at this high school yesterday and I speak at colleges and I speak at companies and I'll say this to anybody is find something, <laughs> find something, learn how to code, learn the guitar, join a band, play sports. I beg you learn something and pour into it because for me, it was the sport of lacrosse and coach Clark, my high school lacrosse coach, who's now the top ESPN analyst. And I say that because I say this in the book, caring about people is not an afterthought. You can still be very successful and almost it can help you. He gave me the gift of, he believed in me and he said, I think you could be good at this sport. And so that was the first time anyone had really taken that kind of an interest in me and, and direction. And that changed my whole damn life. I played varsity. I was a high school All-American. I played Division One in the Ivy League school. I got U.S. Lacrosse Coach of the Year. I played in the World Championships. Changed my whole damn life. Um, so two things. One, know that you can be that person for absolutely anybody. Absolutely anybody listening. You can be that impactful to anyone in the world. And also to be open and allow other people to be that impactful to you. 
Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all that. And that's frankly why I started building everything that I built with this website and podcast and coaching program is I, I mean, as an adult, I wasn't bullied anymore. That wasn't a problem, but I felt like in a way, like the industry was bullying me, right? That's a very common thing in Hollywood, especially right now, talking about all the overworked hours and the toxic work cultures. Like it just constantly feels like the, like the little guy, right? And the, we're, we're being bullied by like the, the producers and um, just all the, the the, the requests of our time, like we can't live our lives, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, I, I need an outlet for this because if the only identity that I have is I'm, you know, just a film editor and this is all that I can do, I'm going to be miserable the next 30 years of my life, which is what led me to starting the podcast and the coaching program. But what that really brings me to is something very specific. And this is something I talked to. Do you know who Ethan Cross is? He's, he's an author, came out with a book called Chatter. I actually just had him on the podcast recently. Yeah, and I think you cited some of his research. You said a study at the University of Michigan. I actually think it was his yes. research. Wow. Um, but what I want to bring up is specifically when you said finding this outlet, but then being able to coach others. And there's a really specific technique that I've learned from him that I'm still developing. And I'm curious if it's something you just stumbled upon or you learned specifically. But if we learn how to coach ourselves the way we would talk to others, it rewires the brain and it starts to listen differently. And you say, I've got a name for myself and my self-talk. So talk about the name for yourself and how you use that. Uh, it's so good, Zach. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I call myself Webs and it's, it's a name. And, and I think why I do it, and I had to, it wasn't a conscious thing. It's only when I got so involved in this and I started coaching executives and pro athletes where, you know, I was educating them and encouraging them to do it. And I had to look at what I was doing. And I was like, oh, OK, that's what it is, because Webbs was a loving. It's what my teammates and coaches would say when they loved me. Uh, it was, it was webs. It was a very endearing, you know, I wasn't always that sometimes I was Alex and I was like, Oh damn, everyone hates me right now. <laughs> you know? So when I was webs, it was like, all right, cool. I'm playing well. People like me. It was, I, I just laughed because I'll say, all right, webs, you got to focus up now. All right, webs, you got to dig deep webs. You need a shower. You, you don't smell great. Like, and, but it's, it's me separating from, from this, this life. And, and the more that I dig on psychology and even spirituality and, and, and all of this, the more that these pieces, which are really beautiful of science and, you know, spirit land really sync up. And, and you start to realize that some of these things that we're doing are not really us. And, and we're just kind of playing the role of that. And, and so sometimes we can hop out of that and, and coach ourselves. And the easiest way to do that is to give yourself a nickname with love that you can use and to also give that negative voice, that fearful voice, that anxious voice, a nickname too. call it negative Nancy, call it a troll, call it a dickhead, whatever clicks for you. But that way, you're not that voice, because the truth is you are not that voice. It's really interesting, uh, this idea of how you can both have the the third person name for yourself, but also naming the negative thoughts. That was something I, that had never really occurred to me. Um, and uh, if anybody that's listening, you want to go back to the interview with Ethan Cross, I'll leave a link in the show notes. But he's done extensive research and basically proven that on a neurological level, 
that by assigning a third person name or talking to yourself in third person, it changes the way you interpret the information, which brings me back to my inside my head story for Ninja Warrior. Um, and you were there as well. I can't remember if you were on the sidelines, but I know you were there and we ran the same day and we were both there for West, but I can't remember if you were on the sideline or not. The point being um, that I know exactly why I fell. There are, I could give you 10 different reasons, but there's one. One of the reasons is that I got there. And I'm like, oh my God, there's so many lights and it's so big, right? So there's one reason. It was it's really overwhelming. And for you, I would guess it's still kind of there, but you you were on that set that's like coming to work every day, right? So for the most part, that's at least something you had been had been exposed to. That was the first time I'd ever actually been on this set in this giant dome. And I was like, holy shit, this is a whole nother level, right? Another one, eh, maybe my hand slipped a little bit. A little bit more chalk might have helped. Maybe if I pushed off on my right foot a little bit more. Oh, my left, you know, left toe was an inch away from the thing it needed to be and it slipped and all those things, right? I could use all of those as excuses. I'm going to tell you why I fell on American Ninja Warrior. Because I stood on the starting line and I said, I don't belong here. And the most dangerous word in that sentence that I've learned through all my research since is I. And that's what we're talking about right now, right? Is this perspective that we take where as coaches, it's so much easier to have the outside perspective and coach somebody on an area that they think they can't accomplish something. I'm sure you've experienced this so much with either people you speak to, with your uh, your students when you were coaching in high school. You already know that they can do something. You believe that they can do something, but they don't. Yeah, I, I mean, you say something that, uh, I mean, I just resonate with it so deeply. And um, two things. One is, I, and I think hearing, especially what you said with, with Ninja Warrior, it, that thought that you had, I do think you believed it. I don't think it was a fear thought of, um, I'm so nervous, look at all these lights. It sounds like, from what you said also with, with the identity with American Ninja Warrior, that, that in your bones, that was a belief. And it's still one that I'm struggling to overcome. And I know that I don't have that belief when I'm put on the proverbial stage at my job, right? There's a whole lot of stakes. There's a lot of high stress in what I do working on really big TV shows, lots of money being thrown around. The way that I describe it to somebody that understand uh, editing, and clearly you do and everybody listening does, but it's, it's really helpful for people that do what we do to explain it to those that don't. I say to them, imagine a film set. Everybody knows what a film set looks like. 150, 200 people, they're spending millions of dollars so they can put this footage that they shoot on a camera, they put it on one hard drive, and then they hand it to me. That's a lot of pressure. A lot of people feel really overwhelmed by that pressure and they get stuck in all the ideas and limiting beliefs and, oh my God, they're going to find out I'm not, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm self-taught and I can't really edit and can I tell this story? But at the end of the day, I don't experience that with my job at all because I'm confident that I belong. So I never experienced that before. Where did the confidence come from? The confidence came from doing it well over and over and over and over and over, which is now why I continue to train because it chips away at that belief yes. that I don't belong. And I do want to circle back to the editing because I have a – with my entertainment background, I've also – I directed a feature-length documentary, which I have a lot of respect for editors and also a deep understanding for what that lifestyle can be because yeah. So we'll come back to it because uh, this is another nugget that, that I'm excited that you and I get to talk about. Um, but yeah, one thing in the book was the, you know, and this is something that I learned with American Ninja Warrior. It's exactly what you're saying, Zach. And I call it the ABC, the action belief cycle, but it's that you don't have to have the belief because a lot of times we may not. And I remember after breaking my hand, 
my belief was that I sucked. And then I went and that belief was validated because, and that's when it's tough, right? Is when it's not crazy talk is when you're looking at the evidence and you're like, you kidding me? I couldn't even get through that. And then the belief is even worse. But what's beautiful is that if we show up sooner or later, the actions are going to start to be a little bit more promising because of course, we're going to get a little bit better, even incrementally. And then that incremental actions is going to summon a little bit more belief because we're like, all right, cool. I got through that. I believe myself a little bit. And that seesaw will keep pushing each other up. So it sounds like, sounds like exactly like with your professional life, we just got to get the, um, the actions, but I, I, I hesitate because you're in a Tony Horton workout video. You're working, you're climbing ropes. You do these workouts with Wes and all of us. So I, I'm curious and I want to like be an audience member right now. What would it take? What is there a feat that you need to do so that you're like, all right, I got this. I'm a ninja warrior. I actually have the answer to that. I don't know if it's a good answer or not. Okay, hear me. I need to get through the second obstacle to believe. And I know that it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that I need to believe I can get through the second obstacle to get through the second obstacle. And if I don't believe I belong there, I'm never going to get through it. So it's this cycle, right? But for me, I don't need a buzzer. A buzzer would be awesome. I just want to know that I successfully got through the second obstacle, and here's why. The first one should be a gimme. It's not, and there are a lot of people that fall, and I know I know for a fact that I can get through it because I've done it in testing more than once, which is one of the other reasons that I was so frustrated. But what I learned was I took it for granted. That's one of the things. It's, I, I know that uh, our mutual friend Jesse Graff, who I've also had on the show, says that the number one ninja killer is confidence. And I didn't have confidence in my abilities to be there. But at the same time, there's a part of my brain that said, stare at the second obstacle because you know you finished the first. I'd done it more than once, the exact same set. It was during testing, so the lights and everything weren't on and there wasn't the pressure. But I know that physically I could swing, I can grab the rope, I can put my foot where it needed to. But the second obstacle is intentionally very, very difficult. That's usually what eliminates the wheat from the chaff. It's not ultimately all the ones that go to semifinals have gone through just number two, but it's kind of the difference between are you here to play or are you here to win, right? So for me, that's the goal. That's when I feel like, you know, I, I, I belong here. I'm not saying that's the right answer. That's just my emotional answer. I love it. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's 
that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Is there any reality where, say, you don't, say Ninja Warrior doesn't come back, and I, I hope that's not the case because we all love it so much and it's a successful show, or the invite doesn't happen, is there any reality where you can establish that truth not on the show? Or does it have to be that experience? That's a really good question. I love how all of a sudden the uh, the host has become the, the interviewee oh, here. I love it. Day. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's a really, really good question. I think that at the end of the day, and this is going to come to a really big word that you use in your book. So I'm going to turn it back to you, but I will, uh, I'll answer the question first. Um, if let's say that one of two things happens, either the show doesn't get renewed, which based on ratings is not going to happen, but let's assume the show doesn't get renewed or I do all the training. I send another audition. I never get the call back, right? I'm going to, I'm going to regret, and this is the big word. I'm going to regret the fact that I didn't get the opportunity but I'm not going to regret the fact that I've tried as hard as I can to make it happen, right? Because that's ultimately the biggest fear is that I, did, I didn't want to look back uh, 40 years um, and say, man, when I, was, when I was 37, I remember thinking that I should try this, but I didn't because I was busy or I was scared or I was out of shape. And now that I'm 85 or 90, like I just, I can't live with the fact that I missed that opportunity. So that regret I'm never going to have. But I'm not going to lie. It's going to gnaw at me to, again, use that word. I love that word. It's going to gnaw at me if I don't get another shot to prove myself. I hear that, man. I feel similarly. <laughs> so let me let me ask you this then. Uh, actually, maybe I'm not going to be asking. It's going to be more of a statement. Um, but one of the things that I think is so important about what you wrote and why I think people need to read this book specifically is that you don't give answers, Yes, there are answers and there are strategies and whatnot, but this is another area where you and I are so eerily similar and I never would have known it. But like I said, I'm reading this. I'm like, man, this, it's, it's like I wrote this book. It's all the same stuff that I do. What you do is you teach people to ask themselves better questions. And the question that I want you to share and talk more about that people that are listening so desperately need to hear right now, what if you could fall in love with your life? Wow. Love that, man. I'm glad you picked that one, that out. <sighs> to me, what that means is that <sighs> we, we all, and I say this in the book, can become future romantics of, of, of longing for that success, of longing for that goal, of longing for that mile marker, that trip, or that relationship, or that love, and it, it's over there. And the moments, the heartbeats of our life that occur between now and then, that is actually what our life is. And so what it means is that we need to fall in love, not only with these end far off distant things, but in this, in these moments, in doing this interview with Zach, I need to fall in love with that moment. And, and how do we do that? 
well, okay, what are things that I'm grateful for here? Okay, I'm, I love Zach. Zach's an amazing guy. I'm grateful that he asked me. This is fun. We get to talk about something. And what are we talking about? Something that means a lot to me, a book that I wrote. There's so much to fall in love with here. Okay, what about tougher stuff? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I just saw something pinged on my phone and it's, it's a tougher thing in work. Okay, well, I still got to fall in love with these moments of life. What can I fall in love with here? Can I fall in love with the character growth or maybe what it's pushing me to step into? Not saying that all of these are, are easy, but, and sometimes it can feel like we want to write them off as cliches or I will add them, but at the end of the day, all of it is a choice. And the choice is either we step into our life and we engage in all of these moments or we don't but there's a hard finish for all of us. So if there is a choice, why not step into your life? Yeah, I love, love this idea about moments. This is such a key thing. And what I love about it so much is that it not only relates to what we're talking about now, it relates to what I do as an editor and a storyteller. So for anybody that's even made it this far, that's like, when are they going to talk about editing and film? Because I thought this was a film and editing podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about it now because I'm going to connect these two and I'm going to give everybody that does what I do for a living or is a storyteller for a living the best advice I can possibly give you to not be good, but be great at your job. Stories are all about moments, right? You look at the difference between a good director and a great director. A good director makes sure everybody says their lines, their performances are decent, and I have the right angles to be able to put a scene together. A great director understands how to create moments. It's an eye look that wasn't in the script, or it's the way the camera moves and makes you feel something when it catches the, the actor at just the right angle with the light or whatever. It's these moments that are created, right? And life is the same thing. And when I like talking about this idea of a buzzer or I want to be able to get through the second obstacle, ultimately, yes, I would love to be able to get through at least the second obstacle and say I did it. But what I'm the most proud of is the fact that I get up every flipping Sunday morning at 730 a.m. and I get in my car and I torture myself for four hours at Tony Horton's house because those are moments that make my week. That moment, and I know you've had a hundred of these yourself, where you look at something new, you're like – God, I don't know. Can I do this? Nah, this, this seems hard, but I'm going to try. And then you do it. That moment, you remember that forever. So for me, success is just how do I string together those moments one after another after another? Because if I hated training and I got a buzzer, God, what a waste of my life. So true, man. And I, you know, as we're saying this, it, it almost, you know, because sometimes I'll look to my days and I'll, I'll have to, you know, think okay, what are the moments that I enjoy here? We're only enjoying it because of when we finish the project. We're only enjoying it when it gets to be 5.30 and we can watch that show or eat that thing or have that drink. Then really we're just trying to get through it, right? And, and then we're gonna try to get through this day. We're gonna try to get through this week, month, year. We're gonna try to get through this life. So falling in love with, with those moments and, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll admit it. Love is a lofty. There's not gonna be all the moments that we love but can we not dread them or endure them? Can we, can we embrace it and, and just be present in it? Because this, this is freaking life. We're in it. 
Well, the area that I want to go to next, and we don't need to dive too deeply into this, but this is a, an area that I'm very, very passionate about and teach. And again, like we were talking about before, it's almost like we have the same system with different names as far as the steps and the order and everything. Um, but I would be remiss and I would consider myself a failure using that word again. I would consider myself a failure as a podcast host <laughs> if I didn't talk about what is my favorite quote on the planet that you used in your book and uh, how to set goals, right? So there's a quote by James Cameron, which totally coincidentally he's in the film industry, but very apropos for our listeners. And his quote is as follows. If you set your goals ridiculously high and it's a failure, you will fail above everyone else's success. So talk to me about in your book, with your students, with people that you speak to, how you set goals, because it all starts with setting the goal. Well, I think it goes to even what you and I were saying and the dangers of having that not lofty goal. And mine was just make finals. That wasn't really my goal. My goal was hit a buzzer. But because I kind of focused on that make finals goal, it sabotaged them both, actually. And, and, and same with you, you know? And so I think what we need to do is gift ourselves the freedom. And, and a lot of times I'll ask people, what might be? What might be your goal? What might be something you want? What might be that achievement, that success, that, that thing way off that seems impossible? Because when we say might, I think it gifts us a little freedom to explore. And that's another word I love, explore, because to me, it means without judgment. We live in the most judged time in history. Everything is the best or the worst. That's delicious. That sucks. That place was lousy. That place was too quiet. Everything is the smartest, the dumbest. Sometimes we can just, it can just be what it is and we can think about those ideas. And so I would encourage you before we set the goal, because once we set it and we commit to it, we're in it and we've committed. And the next heartbeats of your life, you know, for American Ninja War, it's like, all right, at least that means these next six months, we're going to be given a lot of time, sweat, energy, heartbeats to this goal. So before we enter into this like forest jungle to get to the castle, Let's decide, do we want this goal? And to just gift yourself, anyone listening, just gift yourself an opportunity to explore what might you want for yourself? What might you want in your career? And tell that troll negative voice to just shush up for a moment and just allow Bravely Honest your heart to say, I might want this. And, and I'll tell you, like as I'm saying these words, there is a goal that I have that I'm fearful to step up into. And I'm reminding myself, okay, you can have the fear, but you can also be bravely honest and admit to yourself that this is what you really, really, really want. Um, so that would be my encouragement is gift yourself the opportunity to ask what might you want for yourself. I love this idea of the word might. Um, all these things that you're talking about that I haven't already been doing, I'm just going to steal all of them. I'm going to put my branding on it. I'm going to take credit for them, but I love it. The, the idea it. of might is great. Uh, the other thing, and we've already talked about this, but I'm just like, it's one of those spur of the moment things, totally going off book, but I don't care. I've been trying forever to figure out how do I sort out the voices in my head, right? This has been a conversation actively that I've been having ever since the day that Ninja Warrior happened, but I've, something I've been reading about for a long time and teaching. Um, but there's, I've had a problem that just came together. What I couldn't figure out how to do was name the bad voice. You said, call it a troll, call it whatever, call it a dickhead. You just helped me. And I instantly felt a shift. You know what I'm calling my negative voice? What? Brian. 
I was going to say. No offense to the Bryans out there, but for, I, I already heard it in my head. I'm like, shut up, Brian. F you. And I think that in order to feel like you even have the permission, and this is something I talked about on another show recently, giving yourself permission to go after something and not wait for permission from others. If you might want to achieve something great, you're going to have to name that voice and say, shut up. If you're going to tell me I can't, maybe I could. What if I could do it, right? I'm not going to be able to do it tomorrow, but I might be able to do it. I think that's a great way to reframe looking at goals. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, as you say that, you personified that voice and I just tried out a name on it in my head and it does add a little bit more firepower it? personifying someone in your life. And then I go, you know, it makes me think, well, okay, so now that person's in your head, which makes us want to get that person out of our head, which we want those voices as much as we can to be out of our head. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's the weirdest shift that you can just feel it's different, right? Because I know logically, yeah, yeah, those are limiting beliefs. I get it. Those are scripts. Those are from my childhood or from this or that or the other thing, but they're still there. Shut up, right? But then all of a sudden, emotionally, you give it a name and it's something you want to get out that you understand as an external force. It gives you something that you talk also about in your book that's called control. Mm. I can either choose to focus on the things that I can control or the things that I can't. And I think that we spent so much flipping time focusing on things we can't control. It's just a giant waste of energy. Yeah, man. It's so true. And 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 because there are some things that we can't control. And the, the great... Uh, irony of life is those things that we can't control have such deep impact on our happiness, on our success, on our lives. They do. <laughs> but the choice is always and will always be what can we do about it? And speaking of that, that's like the perfect segue to the next story that I want to dig into. And I want to be super respectful of your time, but there's a couple of things that I think are so vital for people to hear. Yeah. Um, when we talk about things we can or can't control, most people would go about their mornings, they'd be in kind of a hurry, and they'd say, yeah, I've got this to do or that to do, and ah, son of a bitch, I spilled my coffee, ah, right, the stupid <laughs> cup, or the, you know, I slipped on this thing, or they made this cup wrong, right? The way that you broke down and analogized and really understood and took responsibility for spilling a cup of coffee, everybody, this should be standard training for anybody that wants to be a better person, tell the story about spilling the cup of coffee and what it means. I appreciate that, man. And it's, uh, it's true. I, uh, so in the book, and, and I laugh because earlier today, I, I spilled salad dressing and they're not too dissimilar, the experiences. Uh, but in this one, in the book, I spilled a cup of coffee and I called myself some stupid name. I said, well, that was stupid, wasn't it? And it was one thing of just, I joke in the book that it's, not only was I saying that I was stupid, but I'm asking it as some like bullying question to who, to just me. So I'm asking me to also bully me. It was just unnecessary. And then I thought about, okay, well, why did I spill the coffee? Obviously, okay, it was clumsy and rushing. Okay, but I think so often we just look at why things are happening in that moment and we don't dig at why they're really happening. So for me, I was rushing. Okay, but why was I rushing? I was rushing because I slept in for a lot longer than usual. But I didn't sleep in. I just laid in bed and I was looking at my phone. Okay, but why? And why was because I got an email from a colleague who was doing better than me. 
And rather than feel excited or inspired by them, I felt jealous and I felt like I wasn't good enough or that I wasn't doing enough. I felt inadequate. And so I just stewed in bed for longer than usual. And then I had to rush to get ready, which meant I rushed and spilled the coffee. But if we look at that and we look at, okay, spilled coffee, grab a paper towel, move on your day, beat yourself up, fine. But if we look and we dig at those deeper layers, then we can actually look at something that's much more helpful to us, which is rather than just the spilled coffee, we can look at, well, do I really need to feel inadequate about myself and jealous because someone that I know is doing well? Wouldn't it feel better and wouldn't it help me more to be excited for them or happy for them or inspired by them or learn from them? And all of those are true. So rather than just, you know, sweeping up the half calf from the counter, we can dig a little bit at, and I say dig, dig at why things are happening. Why did you miss that term? Why did you get in an argument with your spouse or a friend or a family member? Why? Because then if we don't just look at the result, but we dig at actually why it happened, then there's really good stuff that we can shape and work at that's going to make these results way better. We won't spill the coffee. We won't get in that argument. We won't miss that deal. But it starts with not just beating ourselves up when we make a mistake or fail. Yeah, but Alex, that's going to force me to take responsibility for my life. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Brave honesty. Brave honesty. It's, it's no one else's life. and. And I, I encourage people to embrace this truth. And I remind myself of it too. If I want to, if you want to, we could close this desktop. We could buy a plane ticket, move somewhere, travel the world until we lost money and go skydiving without a shoot. That option exists. And during darker times, I've actually thought about that option. You know, I just globetrot and then go skydiving without a shoot and just call it a day. Okay, that option exists, but the choice also exists to do all these amazing things that I really feel in my heart that I really want to do. And so if that ownership exists for that amazing choice, then that ownership is also going to exist in every other area of our lives. Well, speaking of all of these different choices that can be made, all the things that you've learned throughout this journey, I have one final question that I want to ask, and it's something yeah. that I've been asking my guests recently. It might become a regular thing, um, so it's a little bit of an experiment, uh, but it's been very, very fruitful so far. So I want you to jump in a time machine with me. Oh. Okay? And we're going to go back to a very specific time in a very specific place. We're going to go back to, and I want you to really picture it, the vision of wherever you are in time and space where you're getting the nipple twister. <laughs> And I want you to time travel back to that version of Alex. And I want to know what advice you would give him. I would say, don't cling to this. Meaning I'm trying to like play it safe so that I can keep getting bullied. Good is the enemy of great is one of my favorite expressions. And I would just say to him like, don't try to just play it safe and, and keep the status quo which is, oh, I don't want to do anything to upset them, so let me just let them keep bullying me. At some point, standing up, and whatever that looks like, if that meant me getting my ass beat, well, what else is happening? I'm getting my ass beat anyways. I might as well take a step back and, and, 
and, and, and go for something that actually I wanted. And I think that, you know, I'm, I, I'm just going through different examples in my head of family members who are going through similar things where we don't want to have certain conversations because it might ruffle the waters, but what we're clinging. And, and I think that that is an important takeaway is, is don't cling and don't fight for the stuff you don't want. And to step up and fight for the stuff that you do want, because either way, there might be a fight in it. But one way you're going to get what you actually want. Well, I would say that, number one, that's amazingly fantastic advice, not for somebody that just wants to be a ninja warrior or a public speaker or an author. It's for anybody that wants to accomplish anything. That whatever the status quo is, if it isn't the status quo that you want, at some point you have to stand up and you need to change the conversation. That might require conflict, might require stepping into your discomfort zone, which both of you, I don't even know what comfort feels like anymore after the last four years. Like I've forgotten. I'm just so used to everything being scary and uncomfortable that I've almost forgotten what comfort is like. But you have to be willing to step into that zone if you want the status quo to be a different status quo. Right. I mean, that, that's really what it really what it comes back to. So um, to, to wrap it up, I have to say that despite the fact that we are two gigantic failures, I feel like we did. I feel like this was an okay interview. I'm sure we'll both have notes and our voices afterwards are going to say, eh, I should have said that or that was a dumb answer or I could have done that better. But you know what? For two giant failures, we did okay today. We're learning. We're learning. We're constantly learning. Yes. I'm not going to stop. I don't think you're stopping. Nope. The only thing that's getting in my way of my goals is death. That's it. It's the only thing that's going to stop me because everything else is a choice and I can take control of those choices. So for anybody that aspires to be a failure as big as you are, where can they find your new book and where can they find you? I appreciate it, man. Uh, so Fail Proof, Become the Unstoppable You is on Amazon. You can pre-order it now. It goes live October 5th, uh, which basically just means they'll ship it out to you. But uh, it's you can order it now. And if you do, it would mean a lot to me. Shoot me a note. Let me know. I would love to hear from you and 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 just have a nice little, little moment together. Hear about you and your life and, and, and what's going on. And my handle on everything is I'm Alex Weber, uh, one B in Weber. And uh I just appreciate you having me, Zach. You're someone that I admire and I admire your commitment to be your best in so many different areas. So I appreciate you having me on. And I appreciate you taking the time to be on. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.